welcome back to the What the Folk Sunderland preview show. Last weekend, we visited West London and Fulham in the FA Cup. And this week, we return back to the capital yet again as we visit Millwall in league action. As always, we are here to preview the game. And with me today is a debutant in the ship of Alex Grace of the South London Press. And of course, the fantastic That Millwall pod. Alex, we've had a bit of a chat beforehand, but we'll p- pretend we haven't done that. And it's the first time we've officially spoken. Um, how are you? You all right? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Mm. Yeah, getting by. Same old transfer deadline days. Uh, hopefully, by the time this goes out, people think, oh, what were you worried about, Graham? But at the moment, I'm absolutely shitting myself because we haven't signed a centre forward. But um, I'm sure that'll oh, subside. Yeah. I know, worrying times. Um, deadline days it is. Like I say, literally, as we're speaking, there's a couple of hours to go from our perspective. Obviously, by the time people listen to this, it'll be over. Um, I wouldn't normally start the conversation on a preview show with deadline day, but I'm going to kind of have to because you've signed Duncan Watmore today. Um, really interesting one, considering he's been, I think he's from like Altrincham, Manchester area. He's been obviously with Sunderland, he's been with Borough, and he's gone all the way down south, signed for Millwall. What, what do you make of that one? Do you know, we were quite surprised when we first heard the rumours yesterday, because um, there was a, it was revealed the club had two players coming in. Uh, one was Oli Burke. Uh, from Werner Bremen on loan. They didn't reveal who the second one was. So it took a bit of digging and we managed to find out um, that it was Duncan Watmore. And um, I felt it was quite an interesting one at first. I did think, hmm, okay, this is an interesting an interesting move. Um, again, it's someone who's got decent level at Championship level, you know, he's been in, I think, goal involvements, one in every four um, for Borough. So, um, comes with a bit of an intrigue because I think anyone from a Millwall perspective will tell you the final third of the pitch is where we're really, really struggling. Um, Just really finding it difficult to, to take chances. It's been the problem for not just this season, but previous seasons. Um, and you look at some of the lads we've got, they, you know, likes of Tom Bradshaw scores goals, but it's probably not consistent enough. Um, done very well this year with Zian Fleming, of course. He came in over the summer, has done really well. Um, but no, I think the addition of Duncan Watmore is a good one because, again, he's versatile. He's got a bit of pace about him, uh, which is something we need in those attacking areas. And um, no, I quite like the look of him. I have to say. <clears throat> I think obviously probably from a Sunderland perspective, we remember Duncan as someone who was obviously looking like he could potentially break into the, the Premier League team and then he had two horrible ACL injuries back-to-back. Um, it looks like he's got over them. He doesn't seem to have lost any pace from watching him at Boris. Obviously, just two years at the games, a lot of time to take out and that's probably why he's in the mm. Championship. But um, yeah, I think most of us remember him relatively fondly. But yeah, um, Obviously, you didn't have a game at the weekend. You're already out the FA Cup. I think Sheffield United, you, you lost two. Yeah. So, to go back to your last game, we've got to go back to Fortnite. Um, a narrow 1-0 win away at Cardiff City. You know, I know they're not performing too well, um, Cardiff, but any away win in the Championship is a good win. How was the performance? How was the result? Yeah, it was a, it was a very a very disciplined performance. Um, we got the game management proper spot on, really. Um it was a difficult atmosphere there in Cardiff. You know, at the time they had no manager. They sh- I mean, they were struggling with players. There was protest before the game, protest during the game. Uh, um, the owner, um, very, very 
subdued atmosphere uh, throughout the game. Um, but no, look, I think we got a bit of luck with the goal, you know, poor defending. Um, and that's what Tom Bradshaw does. You know, if you give him a, if you give him the opportunity, he will take it. You know, I mean, you can't faff around with the ball thinking you've got a lot of time uh, because he will nip in. He runs and runs and runs and he will cause, cause problems by doing that. Um, very, very good defensively in the second half. You know, Cardiff threw a lot of us, threw a lot of balls into the box, a lot of um, direct play, if you like. But, you know, the likes of Sean Hutchinson, Jake Cooper did really, really well um, just to keep heading those balls at, out of the box. And it was one of those, you know, it's your typical game you got to grind out. It's something you really needed just to, a, a load of effort, a load of effort put in and it got the and it got the win, it got the clean sheet um, and it got an important three points that that keeps keeps this pre- unpredictable championship playoff race going, um, keeping us in it. Um it's, it's it's crazy. I've never known anything like it. Yeah, it's wild. Some weeks you're fourth, next year you're twelfth. Um, it's been an interesting run of form for Melbourne. What I mean by interesting is it's been inconsistent. Um, looking at your last five <laughs> games, which I try my best to do: one, two, lost two, drew one, um, including the FA Cup game. But you obviously still sit just around the playoffs. I think you're just a point ahead of us. I think so in seventh. Um, Obviously, the first game you played after the World Cup was against us, and I'll be honest, that was a good win for us. I know what we're capable of, but I don't think I expected us to be that big of a win. So we haven't seen you since then. How would you sum up Millwall's form since the World Cup? Because it seems a bit inconsistent, but you watch obviously every week, you'll be able to give me a little bit more insight into what the form's actually like. Yeah, it's been a bit mixed, I would say that. Um, Again, it's it's been that lack of consistency. which I think has led to the championship being so unpredictable because I don't think any team can get that level of consistency going. Um, I think the sheer amount of games teams are having to play in a short space of time isn't helping. Um, you know, injuries, suspensions, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I go back to that game, actually, um, at the Stadium Malai after the World Cup. I think the first half um, had... Had we taken our chances in that first half, it would have been a completely different game. Um, and that has summed up the season for Millwall, really. Um, not taking your chances costs you points. You know, it costs you goals. It costs you everything um, in this league. Um, you know, we've had a couple of draws. We drew with Wigan. Um, I think we were only one of the two or three teams Colo Torre managed to take a point off <laughs> before he got the sack. Um but no, I mean, we've had some good wins as well. You know, we won at, uh, at Watford on Boxing Day, which was a good one. Beat Rotherham on New Year's Day. Um, I think it was a nil-nil draw with Bristol City sandwiched in the middle of that. Uh, we've not conceded many goals um, since we've come back. We've not scored too many either, but on the whole, it's been positive. Um, we've done what we've had to do, but again, with a with a smaller squad with a lack of attacking options it's um it's been quite difficult you know uh, we let Isaac Oluwafe go to Stockport during the window we let Benikafobi go as well um two strikers left and we didn't really get you know a, 
an out and out centre forward in. Um, I know we got Berg, we got what more two players can play attacking roles, but not really out and out strikers. Um, so yeah, it does leave Tom Bradshaw a bit um, on his own in terms of being the out and out striker. But no, it's it's going to be an interesting end to the season, shall we say? But I think since the World Cup. I think a lot of teams have struggled with the consistency. Um, but overall, I think performances have been quite solid. Only when you look at like sort of Millwall's record this season, if, we, if we're looking at the top 10, and I know the league in terms of playoff could be anyone down to about 18th, um, but we'll say the top 10, top 10 teams, you're one of the lowest scorers in the top 10, which you've kind of alluded mm. to, but you've got the third best defence in the top 10 and the teams you're behind are obviously Burnley and Sheffield United who are runaway leaders, if we're completely honest. Um, would it be fair to say that Gary Rowett's Millwall side is built on defensive solidity or is it a little bit more what you said before in the terms of you are quite good in defence but you just don't score that many so it looks like you've just got a really good defence and not very good attack or is it based on having a solid back line and getting that goal if you can and kind of winning 1-0 if you prefer that famous championship winning 1-0 to kind of get yourselves up? Yeah, I think if you look at Rowett's reign at Millwall, really, from from October 2019 to now. He's favoured playing a back five. You know, he's favoured a quite a defensive formation. He, obviously, it's changed. It, it changed in October to a back four. We we have you know, a brilliant central defensive partnership between Cooper and Hutchinson. You know, they're a, a real, real solid pair. They've been together since we got promoted uh, back in 2017. Um they are the bedrock of the team, you know, the captain, the vice captain. Um, and defensively, we're very, very solid, very well drilled set pieces. Um, but again, that helps when you've got a big team. Uh, we don't concede many from set pieces. We don't concede many from crosses. Um, but we seem to just be very solid when we need to be. And yeah, we do seem to like that counter-attacking threat, especially away from home. Um, you know, we don't win many away from home. I think we have four wins away from home this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we do use the counter-attack quite often. Um, but also at home, I think we've probably got either the, the second or third best defence at home. You know, we don't concede very many goals at home. Um, and it's, it's a thing about getting in front. If we get in front, then it's very difficult to break us down. You know, we, I, I think, and I'm right in saying, I think it's 10 times we've scored the first goal and we've gone on to win all 10. So it it proves how how solid we are. But coming from behind is where we've struggled. I think we've won twice coming from behind. So it just shows how important the first goal is. Um, and with our defensive mindset and defensive record, we're very good when we go in front. So... That's a warning, maybe, for Saturday. It's interesting that you mentioned the um, the record and stuff like that, and you, you've been at home. I was looking at the... Well, when I spoke to Kai, people remember, <laughs> potentially, obviously, the previous podcast, obviously, Kai was on, mm. um, and he was talking about how, you know, the den was meant to be... Or the new den, sorry. Um, meant to be one of those places where, you know, they wanted to build kind of a fortress, and, and they felt like they were getting there. And I looked at your, your home record based on that conversation, and third best in the league, eight wins, three draws and just two defeats. And you're touching it before, a really good defensive record at home as well, um, which makes it a vastly different game for us. 
um, compared to what we had at the stadium like previously, in, you know, in the start of December. But how much of a fortress has the new den become for Millwall? How much of a weapon has that become in, in kind of the the attempt to get in the playoffs and the attempt to get promotion? How important is it? Oh, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. You know, if you look at the difference between our home form and away form, you know, we, I, I think it got something, I mean, we got over 50 points at home last year. You know, re- it's such a difficult place to go. Um, yeah, if you look at the two games we've lost at home this season, you know, you'd be really disappointed with those two. You know, we lost 2 at home to QPR and we lost 1-0 to Reading. You know, two games where, all right, I think the Reading game could have been a draw. The QPR game, we just didn't show up. Um, <clears throat> but it's such, it's the atmosphere, obviously, you know, and come Saturday, I think from what I've seen, ticket sales wise, I think there's less than 2,000 tickets left available for the game. And, and it's the crowd that make it, you know, the crowd make it such a very, very difficult place for an opposition team to, team to go I mean if you think of the stadium of light as well you know it's a that's a place that could well be a fortress you know with the fans with the atmosphere um, and yeah it's a very very difficult place to come um, not only because of the fans obviously you've got this the whole hysteria of you've got the small dressing room and it, it, I have to say that away dressing room is very tight it's very pokey um, there's not a lot of space in there uh, when you've got a big squad um, that are coming down. Uh, it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable place to come. It's it's the whole thing of the den is is a fear factor, and and a lot of teams don't like it. A lot of teams can't can't cope with it. Um, and yeah, especially if if we score early, the place gets quiet quite happy you know and it becomes very very difficult um and if you it's one place you don't want to go if you've got to win a game it's just a place you don't want to go because it's so unpredictable in terms of what can happen um but no the dens are fortress and and it's proven to be more and more of that over the last two seasons really since the fans have returned uh, from COVID, we've noticed a massive, massive difference in how influential the crowd is and how potent the home form is for Millwall now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I suppose that the facts and the figures prove that absolutely. Yeah, like I say, third best home record in the league of the season and eight wins is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, we talked about your defence before, and we will talk about defenders. I think it's probably right that we do do that. I spoke to Kai and had a Millwall fan on, obviously all from the same podcast. And mm-hmm. um, previously, he talked about Dan Ballard, but sadly, he actually didn't really get the chance to, to play against his last time because he broke his foot pretty early doors. And um, I think one of your boys jinxed it and said the only thing, reason he'll not perform well is if he gets a bad injury. He broke his foot like three <laughs> games in. I was like, fantastic. Sent him a message. Um, but he is coming back on the team. It was a little bit too early from last time, and he's he's been tremendous for us. He's he looks to me every bit of player that can to make the step up to the Premier League, and I'm sure he will um, in his career, hope, and hopefully with us. But um, he really did make an impression at the, the new den. I think everyone I spoke to that's a Millwall fan, I've not heard one person say anything bad about him. He's been in great form for us since returning from injury, like I say. But um, based on what you remember of Dan Ballard and what you'd seen and how he's kind of adapted to life at Sunderland from what you've seen there as well, how far do you feel like Dan Ballard can go in the game from, from your experience of him? Oh, he's definitely someone that 
that could well go on and play in play in the top flight. You know, he's he he looked at ease coming into a a a back three last season that was quite well established. Um and he came in and he slotted in really, really well alongside Hutchinson and and Cooper. He did really, really well. Um yeah, he's a threat down the other end of the pitch. Yeah, I think that's maybe one area he could improve in. Um is is being a bit more of a threat in those attacking areas, adding a couple of goals to his name. Um but no, he's a very, very good player. Um he made his debut for Northern Ireland last season as well. Um and he'll be a mainstay in in that side as well. Very, very good players, very good technically on the ball. Uh, he's comfortable passing the ball, he's comfortable carrying the ball. Um and no, I think a lot of us were quite disappointed actually when we didn't didn't actually make the move for him. Um and he ended up going to Sunderland. Which again, you know, I think it's a really good it's a good club to move to, you know, it's a good chance of a club that can that have got a chance of reaching the top flight either this year, next year, whenever. Um you know, it's a big club Sunderland and I think people forget that. Um and that's a big it's a big enticement to go to a club like that, you know, a club, you know, it's got over 40,000 seat stadium, you know, it was in the Premier League for a long time. So no, he's a very, very good player. And he's someone who I think will, will go on and make that move to the Premier League, whether it's with Sunderland or not, I don't know. Um, but, you know, you could definitely see him playing maybe even a top half Premier League side um, in the future. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. He just looks the guy's an absolute unit. Um, he's got arms bigger than my head. Um, and I've got quite a big <laughs> head, as I'm sure many people will attest to. But um on the flip side, you brought in George Honeyman. Now, I can't attest to say I've watched much of Honeyman. I quite liked him at some <clears> but different division, different time. You cannot compare a player's time at one club to another, to be completely <clears> frank. <throat> but he's only got one goal, one assist this season. Um, it's not great statistic for a player that does play in a slightly more advanced midfield position, but you watch him every week. Millwall fans watch him every week. How is George Henry adapted to life at uh, Millwall and how are fans taken to him? Do you know, he started off the season as a mainstay in the team um, until Zian Fleming got himself fit because he suffered an injury quite early on um, and it took him a, while, a little bit of time to adapt. Um, but he did play then. Um, and Honeyman, to be fair to him, you know, he runs, he runs, he gives everything for the team. And that's a typical thing that I'd expect of him. You know, he gives everything. I think what he lacks in quality, he plays with in his heart and in and in his passion and his effort. He's 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 someone that will do anything for the team. Um he hasn't featured massively from the start. Um, the goal he scored came quite early on, actually. He came in a um, 3-2 win over Coventry. Um, I think it was either second or third game of the season. Um, yeah, he's a he's a player who who the fans can relate to because of the way he the way he puts a hundred percent in in every game. Um, and yeah, he makes mistakes, but that's the type of thing that gets rewarded at Millwall for a player who, who does give their all and is always trying and always doing everything like that. Um, yeah. And the fans have taken to him. Um, it's, 
it's a disappointment. I think uh, maybe his lack of game times probably come into the reason why his numbers aren't great. But no, he's someone who's definitely worth having in your team, uh, whether it's from the start, whether it's from the bench. Um, but no, he's someone I like um, and someone that a lot of the fans do like as well. Yeah, he's someone who'll always give you 100%, to be fair to him. Um, he hasn't changed, it seems, since he since he left us, because that's exactly how I would describe him, to be honest, that the, the very worst he's going to give you 100%. But um, touch on Jan Fleming before, I think, when you're looking from the outside in, he's obviously the player that seems to be the, the biggest danger man, shall we say. Um, and it may very well be him that you answer this question too, but there's always certain players that when you come up against a team are in really good form, and maybe it's players that we wouldn't know too much about. Is Jan Fleming still the player that we should be worried about, or is there other players that are currently in form alongside of him that could potentially cause us problems to the Saturday? Yeah, look, if you're looking for the main threat, you're still looking at Zian Fleming, you're still looking at him as being the man who will create everything. Um, he's had a couple of quiet games, funny enough, since um, I think it was Watford. He hasn't scored since Watford, I don't think, but he's been very, very... You can tell he's in the game by him not doing an awful lot. You know, Cardiff, he was fairly quiet at Cardiff two weeks ago. Uh, he did have one chance that he missed. Um, so, no, I'd still say he's the danger man. Um, Tom Bradshaw, full of confidence at the minute. You know, he's someone to watch. Um, and also, you can never write out the likes of... Um, Hutchinson or Cooper from a set piece um, and you can't rule out ZN from a direct free kick or something like that. You know, it's it's very much set pieces are, are Millwall's threat. I mean, they've got 17 goals in the championship from set pieces this season. It's it's an insane amount of goals. Um, I think we've got 13 from open play and 17 from from uh, set pieces. It's 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 crazy. Uh, but he he would be the man to watch still in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, I, I underestimate Tom Bradshaw at your uh, at your peril. It's funny you mentioned about the statistics on uh, set pieces because Sunderland fans listening to that will be thinking, "Oh God, we haven't scored from a single set piece in the league this season." Actual fact. Oh wow! Unless I'm wrong, really? Unless I'm wrong. Um, we did score one in the cup. I'm sure it was the cup we scored it in, and I'm pretty certain that since then we haven't scored directly from a free kick, not from direct or free kick, I don't think. Um, or a corner, sorry. So, yeah, not the greatest stat on the planet. Um, and there is reasons behind that, but that's a whole other podcast all by itself. Um, <laughs> away from that, something they've done really well this season, like you know, we do a review show after every game, and it's weird, you know, almost no matter what the result, sort of a narrow loss as it's been a couple of times a season or a, or a draw, whether our managers walked off the stalk or, or whether <laughs> our centre-forwards got like a season-ending injury, we've always mainly found a lot of positives and it's been a great return to life for something in the Championship and, you know, weirdly we're talking about like, could something be back in the Premier League, could we make the playoffs and it's something I just didn't expect but um, I feel like the more I do this show when I ask this question, a lot of people kind of go, well, I'm not that surprised but I will ask it anyway. Um, have you been surprised by how good Sunderland have responded and returned to the, the the championship, or is that kind of where, give or take, you expected us to be when we got back up? I was expecting them to be mid-table, um, first season back, 
chance to really, you know, just to consolidate really at the start. Um, I feared a little bit when Alex Neal left uh, and Tony Mowbray was announced as the replacement. Um, I did think, hmm, interesting. But then you look at Tony Mowbray's record at Blackburn was very, very good uh, for the most part. Uh, was always a team that would be in and around the playoffs. Um, but then you look at the squad that Sunderland have got, you look at the signings they made. Um, you know, I thought Dan Ballard obviously was a good deal. Um, and Ellis Sims, when he came in back in the summer, um, I thought that was quite a good deal. Um, obviously, he got injured, didn't he? And then he got recalled, which uh, I think was quite disappointing, actually, for... Sunderland fans to see him recalled and then not actually well actually I know he couldn't then play anywhere else because he because he played for Everton as well I think so he was only actually allowed to play for either one of the two clubs for the rest of the season so that was I was quite surprised that Everton recalled him Um, because I mean I still don't see him playing much for Everton Um, even now Sean Dyche has gone in I still don't see him playing much Um, and a very good striker in Ross Stewart as well. Um, I, like, I know obviously the news has come out about him now having a season-ending injury, which uh, is re- I think it's even more disappointing, isn't it, when it comes in a cup game or something like that. In a game, arguably, he didn't have to play, um, which does make it frustrating, does make it uh, um, even more, you think, oh, really, is everything going against us? <laughs> Um, yeah, but no, I, I was, I was encouraged when Sunderland come up. I thought, you know, they'd be anywhere between tenth and fifteenth. I think was the prediction um, that I had. But it's the championship. You can never guess the championship in the way that it sets out, the way that it it plays, the way everything goes. I mean, it's ridiculous. I think we sit in eighth. Right, and we're two points off third. It's it's crazy. Um, we got and we got a game in hand, and that game in hand's away at Luton. So either one of us win that game, and we end up third in the league. It's it's. I've never known anything like it. Um, it's unbelievable, really. If you beat a club like it, and in no right really should be, will be in that position if you look at it in terms of the clubs around them, the money they can spend. You know, even you compare Sunderland and Millwall. You know, you look at Sunderland, a massive stadium, massive club. Um, you'd expect to be able to pay a lot more than what we could. Um, so I think it's testament really to the job that the club's owners do, um, and the job that Gary Rowett does. You know, to each year make make us in and around those positions. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't think on the flip side, I'm that surprised at where Mobile are and I wouldn't be surprised if if you end up in the playoffs because I think, as you say, over the past few years, he's, he's built a squad. But um, saying that, I really hope that, you know, we can dent those playoff hopes or promotion hopes on Saturday. But my uh, my predictions are horrendous, um, is the, the <laughs> for want of a better word. I think I've got two right, maybe one right this season, two right maximum. Um, so I say this every week, don't listen to me. If you're a betting person, do the opposite of what I've said. Um, however, I'd never, ever go against my team. I don't think you can. Um, mm. But I do feel a little bit, because of everything I discussed before with the home form, and you're not going to win every game. 
at the end of the day. Not every week's going to be perfect. Yeah, of course you're not. Sometimes you're going to have to just suck it up and get on with it. And I think Melbourne's a really hard place to go to. Um, I would be more than happy with the draw. So I'll go with the draw and I will say, I think, 1-1. But Alex, do you feel a little bit more confident in Millwall and in your prediction? I'd, at home, I, I always back us at home. Um, yeah, I think we're a match for any team at home. Um especially if the ground is going to be sold out, which it looks like it will be. And to be fair to Sunderland, you know, they'll bring an army with them. Um, they'll bring an absolute army down from the northeast, and it would be a fantastic atmosphere. Um, you know, it's a bit of a... And it can be a spicy clash at times. Um, you know, FA Cup semi-final history and stuff like that. Um, no, I am going to back us. I think we'll... I could see us edging it again, 1-0. I really can. I can see it being a 1-0. Um, very, very hard to break down. Um, and, of course, if we score first, it's 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 very difficult to beat us. So, no, I'm going to go for a 1-0. Um, that's seeming to be our specialist scoreline at the minute in terms of trying to win games is a 1-0. Um, so, I'm confident with that. I think, yeah, I'm a bit worried about this weekend. I'm not going to lie, but I'll I'll not go too negative just so no one thinks I'm being a negative Nelly. But um, but Alex, obviously, the podcast that you do and the work that you do is obviously great. Um, the podcast I've promoted before on here when we've had Kai on, but if it's the first time people have listened to obviously any of the Millwall previews that we've done, where can we find A, your work and, and B, the podcast and everything that you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so you can find us, obviously, uh, that Millwall podcast. Um, we are doing plenty of shows at, at the minute. We also try and do, if we can, um, an interactive space show uh, at the end of the games uh, with me, normally me, and um, the podcasts, one of the podcast's founders in uh, former fan on the board, Mickey Simpson. Um, so we do try and do the uh, an interactive show. Uh, plus, we also got a website as well uh, at that Millwall podcast website. You find all stuff that's written by me and some of the others uh, who are helping us out. Um, and then, obviously, you've got my stuff on the South London Press as well. So, no, more than a privilege to come on and more than a privilege to uh, talk to you, sir. I will mirror those sentiments and echo that sentiment 100%. Um, Alex, I wish you no luck on Saturday, as it should be. Likewise. As a standard, you know, <laughs> vice versa, absolutely. But um, thanks for popping on. Appreciate it. And um, good luck for the rest of the season after that, unless it's between me and you, or us and you for the playoffs. And then again, no luck for the rest of the season. But don't take it. Of course. Don't take it badly. <laughs> um, spot on, mate. Appreciate it. You have a good rest of the week as well. You too. Thanks very much, mate.